Welcome to the Watchers of the Skies program. I'm Carlos Campo, president here at Ashland University. My colleague and friend, Dennis Montacruces. Dennis, hello. Hello, how are you? Great, are you kidding? We are joined in the studio by such talent. Matter of fact, Caitlin, who was running the show just a moment ago, is now on her soapbox running this camera just right in front of us. Michaela's taking over the show. Rodney's here. Bryce in the back. And Will over my left shoulder. Very talented young people, but... You know, there is a Paul in the studio. I, I don't know. There's no Kleenex here for me at the table. But, you know, the title of our very show comes from a John Keats poem, for gracious sakes. But we still will not evade anything that comes into our ken because we're the watchers of the skies. Even this article that calls for the end. Well, I don't know if it calls for it. Call the for title it. is the end of the English major. And so, yes, yours truly and... And, and thousands, I'm sure, of others who have read this article have just been flabbergasted, absolutely depressed. I am inconsolable. Dennis, uh, what in the world is the point of this essay? Is it true? Is the English major done? As long as philosophy is doing well. It's, it doesn't uh, matter? Uh, yeah, it's, oh, no, that's the uh, end of the show, I guess, yeah. then, if that's true. <laughs> At least the end of my tenure. See you later. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a long piece, and it's not just the English major. Um, unfortunately. Right, no, you're right. <laughs> but to give the subtitle, Enrollment in the Humanities is in free fall at colleges around the country. What happened? Yes, New and, Yorker. New Yorker. Yes, and the New Yorker. Yep. So it, I was surprised by the numbers. It was Me huge. Too. So 50% in yeah, most of these places. Yeah, a right? lot of places. And, and not just, let's say, in the Ivies or in one type, but from elite to good, but not, let's say, top-level state schools. I mean, yes. just everywhere. So the humanities are, are doing poorly. And, of course, he, he gives a, a plethora of reasons why this would be the case. Yes. And, and many of them are understandable. I mean, there's, the, um, there's just the prominence of STEM mm -hmm. makes, makes a, a big difference. What, what does STEM stand so for? So science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Right. I believe that's right. what it stands for. That's and, right. um, yeah, so that's where, not just where the money is, let's say, for people who graduate, but it's also where... The government has put money. So in terms of funding for education, both from the government and from private entities. Yes, but I'm going to stop you right there okay. because you said this is where the money is, right? So, so both for education and for the private. But, but wait a minute. We're talking about education here. We're talking about the growth of the individual. We're talking truly about what is the essence of an education and a college education. Oh. And your first reference mm -hmm. is to money. Well, I'm saying this is certainly a reason, yeah. I mean, it's, oh. it's wonderful to get a... I mean, who doesn't want to get a, a degree in English and then go to work as a barista at Starbucks? Oh, see, now there you go who again. Who doesn't want that? See, and so. it, it's truly <laughs> memes like yours that uh, I think perpetuate this. And, of course, here I am. I've but, got to defend my own discipline. Yeah, of course. And I'm having fun with you. But, but let, let's go through more of these All right. before All right. we, we do that. So okay. just giving... We're, we're, we're saying, saying the problem, and then, of course, you can tell everyone why... They should forsake yes. a, a career as a, as a physicist or a doctor <laughs> and become a student of Arthur Miller's, you yeah, know, yeah, of his yeah. fine work. Yes. Uh, so that's, that's certainly one, one point. Another 
and, and I would say this has to do, or my, my take is that it has to do with credential inflation, that to, to prove yourself worthy of a job, you need not only a bachelor's, but often in many cases a master's degree. Mm. And so there have been, let, let's say initially, every, every field had an increase in, in numbers. And that's for sure, right? right. I mean, but, after World War II in particular, an explosion, and then even more recently, where there are more people now with bachelor's degree in America than ever before. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But the problem is that there aren't that many jobs that have, that are, let's say, specifically related to what you study in the humanities. Fair enough. So you can get a philosophy degree, fantastic, but unless you're gonna become an academic, then those skills, what you learn is of value, the skills are of value, but you don't go to work as a philosopher at the, at the factory or something along those lines. So <clears throat> there are, for the number of academic positions in, in philosophy and English and so on, there are too many majors, too many sure. people with the degrees to, to fill them, to fill those positions. So people look for, for, uh, for majors where there is a more direct pipeline into the, into the workforce. So I mean, those are, are certainly a couple of major ones. Uh, I have my own hypotheses as well, but, but let's, we can start with those. And well, well, I think one of the things that you're, narrative and boy of course we've heard this Dennis for for sure. some time but it draws out a couple of things that that I, I'd want to consider you know this idea of what is the value of a degree in X and I'm going back to the 80s where I believe that it, then governor Ronald Reagan was talking about oh some art history course and was devaluing it kind of publicly saying you know what are you getting out of a, a course like this you know it has absolutely no value and this this it began this groundswell that hey there's got to be a, this direct correlation right i'm studying this but to what end and that end almost had to be a job a better job more money but not this idea that i'm, I'm growing as a human being and i i know that this can often be poo-pooed but you know what what is the nature of our lives what are we really studying toward what are we working toward what's the purpose these are not small questions this is exactly what the university is about and the moment we start devaluing critical thinking skills and the very idea that we believe that the blossoming of the intellectual spirit that is at the heart of every human being that is tied to what we believe is this non-contingent eternal God, that all of these things lead to why we say university, that there's a unity of thought and ideal that no matter what you're studying, you're growing as a person. That's what the end of all study is, is that you are growing into someone who we like to believe, is a better member of, of a community, who is a better member of a family. And so I think this idea, and yes, I've seen, you know, the, in the New Yorker, the cartoon of two scarecrows in business suits, very much like the one I'm wearing, and one looks over at the other and says, English lit, how about you? Uh, so yes, I, I, I'm, I'm keenly aware of all those things. And I have parents who come to me here at Ashland, and they say, Carlos, you know what I want my child to major in? It's called job. Do you have that major? Right. It's called work. And, you know, I understand that the average student today is taking on almost $30,000 worth of debt. I believe that it's responsible to go into debt for something that has a return on the investment. You recently bought a new car, I happen to know. Allegedly, this That's is true, right. yes. Many of us, when we buy a new car, we go into debt, but we think it's worth it. When you think about the trade-off of walking to work, as Rodney does, and some of us have the pleasure of doing but instead, you're willing to go into debt. I think a degree in anything that forces you to think critically and develops those skills, particularly, and I'll go back to the workforce very directly here, Dennis. If you look at the workforce, it's not 
the same workforce as it was when I was a, a young man, right? When I graduated, you could go right into a place like Timken Industries locally and work there the rest of your life. Today, it's said that the young people in the studio will have six, seven, ten jobs. Some of the jobs they'll be in haven't even yet been created. Right. But they're developing the skills necessary to be effective in those jobs through the study of philosophy and English and these other elements. And beyond that, if you look at the patterns of employment and income, you're absolutely right that the baristas among us, I spent a lot of time waiting tables after getting my first degree, but those of us that start out in that fashion trail, lag behind engineers and accountants and others for years, four, five, six, then all of a sudden something changes. And if you look at the statistics in years six through 10, we become fairly even. In years 10 through 20, guess what? Those engineers and the others lag people with degrees in philosophy, English, and other humanities degrees. And so what the statistics seem to show is those critical thinking skills actually propel people to higher paid positions longer in their career. And so let's not be so concerned with the short term, but instead look at, at the broader view. So is that, that I mean, I've, I've heard that, that that's true versus people who go straight to work. I didn't hear that that was true relative to those majors. Yes, even in those majors. Interesting. And so I think if, if you dig into those details, and of course we always tell our listening audience right. to do that. But now I'm going to have some fun with you. So, you're, right, saying, so you're saying that the value of the humanities is that you'll get a better job later on. <laughs> it's not for the sake of these, these higher ideals. No, it's both and. It's oh, both and. Okay. You'll, you'll, you know, if that's truly what you're, what you're about... But, you know, when you begin, and that's what's happened, we begin now. It feels like every incoming student is being drawn into a field that has to have this remuneration is the reward. And even in the article, right, one of the students says, we're beginning in the wrong place. You know, shouldn't we be valuing study for study's sake? I know that when I got, you know, my, my PhD, one of my professors says, you know what that stands for? And I said, what's that? And he said, poor hungry dog. So I thought, well, thank you. That's a pleasant thought. And I know for some of my career, I, my wife would have said yes and amen to that. But uh, when he got through telling me the joke, he said, Carlos, the, the person who values a doctorate for some other sake, other than the fact that you've reached at some level, some expertise in an area that deepened you as a human being, that's what's most important. So uh, I, I know it, it may sound you know, a bit idealistic to say that, but I believe that education for education's sake, if that sake means developing as a human being a, a greater sense of what's important in a very big world, I, I think it's worth it. If it's both and, perhaps. If it's both and, yeah. right, if it's both So, and. what do you say to someone who says, well, look, I can get the, well, all right, assuming that the stat is correct, that even STEM graduates end up in the long run, making Lagging. less mm -hmm. than than humanities majors, which is s suspicious to me. But okay. but if that's if that's the the, the data, that's the data. <laughs> um, but why not? Again, let, let's bracket that for now. Why not um, say, well, hey, with humanities, I can learn on my own, right? So with 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 STEM fields, you really need that intensive environment where you're being trained. So that's, let's say, close to this kind of medieval guild where you, you, ha you apprentice and you're, you're a trainee and then you work your way up to becoming a master and so on. With, with the humanities, hey, subscribe to the great courses, read books, and as one of the, one of the um, 
the students uh, in the article referred to it as, you know, that, that the humanities, it's like hobbies, right? So I, I learn about this, I learn about that, and it's just kind of, it's entertaining. It's something that's fun on the side. And um, so I'll, I'll get the job, I'll get the, 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 the real education, and something that'll get me, get me hired and making some money. There we go. And then I can learn this on my own. What's wrong with that model? Well, it's so funny I can, because I can I, buy the, yeah. the Carlos Campo great <laughs> courses on, on Shakespeare and Arthur Miller. Yeah, I'll let you know about that one. But I remember one of the uh, phrases in the article was that English majors and humanities majors are sweatered and sensitive, you know, something <laughs> along those lines. It took offense at that, but uh, not, not too much. And, and I guess what, how I'd answer that is in a couple of ways, Dennis. One is, you know, we talked about that collegiate life. Collegiate life for an undergraduate student anyhow, was based upon this idea of you're living with your peers and then you have, you're mentored by others who are helping you think about life a little bit differently. And you're looking at the ideas that have inspired generations in that fashion. What are the big questions? What, what about cultural literacy, right? What are the things, what's the fire that people have known for years that we discuss together? You know, what, what are the, what, it's, what, is, what does Kant believe about human nature? And how does it differ from, you know, what Augustine taught? And, and how does that relate to what, what you're going through with your boyfriend or girlfriend? What uh, campus life, you know, all of these things change the dynamic and I believe doing this in a group setting is one of the things that you can't get on your own. You know, Emily Dickinson probably would have been brilliant no matter what and uh, she traveled very far although she didn't travel much in her life because she had one of these explosive imaginations and she was incredibly well read. So I'm not saying that you can't be self-taught in these areas, we just know too many examples of where you can. But I think you still miss something of the extraordinary dynamic that happens when you are together. I mean, I, I'll remember, I'll go back to what sounded, I, I thought it was just a, a initially I thought, what a, a pathetic way to teach the romantic poet. So my professor at the time brought in this, this tiny old record player, literally brought it into class, you know, kind of unpacked the thing, and he put the record down, literally a record. I thought, what in the world is he doing? And he began playing someone reading a romantic poet. And all we're doing is listening to this recording, and I'm thinking, what? I can do this at home. What is happening? And then I remember looking up, and this man is crying. He's weeping, and not, not openly in some way that he's performing for us. He actually was trying to be sort of, uh, you know, uh, inconspicuous in it. And when I saw him weeping that way, I thought, I need to listen. I'm not even listening. All I'm thinking to myself is, what a waste of time. I can listen to someone read this anytime that I want. And then I thought, you care so much about this that it's brought you to tears. I need to hear this as well. And you know what students have said? This, there's all kinds of research that show this, that their own interest in a course, whatever the course happens to be, philosophy, English, it is predicated on the passion and the desire that the faculty member has. That if the faculty member can tell you by the way that she or he presents themselves and presents the material, this is important to me, in some fashion it should be to you, that that in and of itself is the most important factor as to how a student will engage in a course. So, you know, there's my 27-minute answer to your 30-second <laughs> question as to why learning on your own, sure, but it's not the same experience. Well, but you could say that in a, in a course, right, one of these online courses, I mean, that they can convey passion as well. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I, I certainly grant that, in, 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 at least in theory, that that's, that would be the ideal situation. Sure. Something that, that came to mind, and it's, 
I think in a way you touched on it earlier in, in passing, that it's not, I think, really directly, I mean, some, some of the students, I think, kind of touch on it in, in passing as well, that with, with the humanities, it makes sense and it's more attractive when it's part of a worldview, hmm. right? When it's pointing to something that, that's greater and that's unifying, right? So the idea of university, in, in, the, uh, in the article, at one point, they use this term multiversity. Yes where it's like, okay, take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, it's kind of a cafeteria mm -hmm. approach, but there's nothing that unifies this right. as, as a body of knowledge. And, well, so, so for instance, when I, I went to uh, grad school, so I, I got a master's in, in California at a Christian school, mm -hmm. and there, like we were on a team. Mm -hmm. So there, there was a, a shared worldview, a shared aim for all of this, and it was great, so we had this kind of critical mass where it's not that we all agreed on everything. I mean, we agreed on certainly some, some very major things yes. that were of, of fundamental importance, but within that, there was plenty of disagreement. But there was a, there was a common project, in effect, right? So we're, we're addressing the same kinds of issues. And I would say in the West, historically, there was, let's say, a, a, common, a common table, so to speak, where you might think that Christianity is true, or you might think Christianity is nuts, but you're addressing the same kinds of issues right, whether you're pro or con. And so there's, there's, let's say, enough commonality that it is a unified curriculum, and you might take the opposite sides on certain things, but, but there's a project, right? There's something that's bigger, and it's clear what you're doing. It seems to me that right now, that's, there's nothing like that in, in most places. I mean, aside from, let's say, religious schools in general, there, there's no such unifying thing where it's, again, the, the humanities, it's not let's say, a thing in itself. It, well, we, we can't reify it to sure. make a little joke with the, uh, the article, <laughs> right. but, but it's just there's, there's this, there's that, and, and, there's, and, and you can speak to this as well. In, in English, for instance, there's much more, or there's an awful lot of focus on, on identity issues and on, on structure, right? There so are. structuralism mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and how, you know, what, what are the power dynamics of, mm -hmm. of this or that writer, and what is their identity, what are they trying to do, rather than just reading it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure when you, were, when you were a youngster and you were falling in love with English, you didn't think, gosh, I want to hear a structuralist take on this, <laughs> right? You, you loved the literature that you were reading. I had to mature into that belief. What's that? Yeah. I had to mature into that belief. Yes, right? yes. yes. You, had to be, you had to be indoctrinated mm, into right. this, this, this whole scheme, this way of looking at things. And the same thing in philosophy. I mean, I, I fell in love with philosophy because I found these, these topics. What's, what's, you know, does, does God exist? Is there free will? Uh, what's the nature of time, right? Is time travel possible? Can there mm -hmm. be backward causation? All kinds of just yeah. really cool things that people like to, to think about and, and talk about and read science fiction or what have you about these kinds of matters. Just fun puzzles. Yes. You know, the kind of thing that just, it, it grabs your attention. Or, or it doesn't. But I mean, but, you know, they're, they're, they're just really just fascinating. And, it's, and, and they have implications too. Sure. Right. But the humanities now, it's, you don't do that stuff. I mean... So that's another reason why I think some people are going to take classes, and there are going to be some people who just fall in love, or they they have this kind of presentation where the, these broader things come into play. Right. But a lot of time, it's just going to be this this minutia that is not what made these things just beloved for for generations. For, for generations. Well, I, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave that. I think it's this is the kind of discussion we should come back to, Dennis. The theory of everything. And, and how that applies to what you just described is, is really important. So we'll leave that for next time and thank our audience for joining us here.
on the Watchers of the Skies program. We'll see you next time at AUTV20.